This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay, and I'm so thankful you are joining us today. My guest today on the podcast is Annie Rodenfels. Annie is a member of Team BAA. She runs for Adidas, and she is a steeplechaser. She placed sixth in the U.S. Championships this summer. She had a huge year. And in this podcast episode, we talk about those breakthroughs that she's had since training with a new group. She used to run with an ASICS group in Greenville. And Annie actually comes from a D3 college where she was a three-time national champion, also a seven-time All-American. And she talks about her perhaps untraditional path to get to where she is. It's super exciting to see what she's been able to do this year, and I'm really excited to keep cheering her on and watching her as she grows in the sport. If you are not already keeping up with Annie, make sure you follow her. She is Andrea Rodenfels on Instagram. You can also find me on Instagram. I'm lindsayhine626. I love to connect with listeners over there. This episode of the podcast is supported by Koala Clip. This is the best way to carry your phone on the run, on your bike, wherever you're going. You slip your phone in your Koala clip and you clip it to the back of your sports bra, the side of your pocket, in your pants, whatever it is, and it stays put. It also stays dry. So if it's rainy or you're super sweaty, it stays totally dry and it doesn't bounce around. I also put my ID and maybe a couple dollars, my car key if I go somewhere else to run in my Koala clip and it all stays in there just right. Uh, One other thing I want to mention, Koala Club has graphic tanks and tops and sports bras as well. I love the Ren sports bra, W-R-E-N. It is my go-to sports bra. I love it so much. So go check out Koala Club. Go to koalaclip.com, use the code ANOTHER, and that'll save you 10% off any of your orders with Koala Club. Ooh, I'm looking at the sweatshirt right now. It says run more, worry less. I love that. All right, friends, if you do love this podcast, leave us a quick rating and review on iTunes or Spotify. We do draw a winner every month and give away a pair of Gooder sunglasses for new ratings and reviews. So make sure you leave your name on your review in iTunes because that is how we pick the winner. And our winner from August goes to Paul74. Always inspiring, great companion while on the run. All right, and Paul recently shared the episode with Sabrina De La Cruz with his daughter who runs cross country in high school. I love that so much. Thank you for the rating and review, Paul. Send me an email, lindsay at sandyboyproductions.com and we will get you your sunglasses by Gooder sent to you ASAP. All right, friends, enjoy my conversation with Annie. All right, well, today on the podcast, we have Annie Rodenfels on the show. Welcome to the show, Annie. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So how are you feeling? Just got home off a red eye, you said. <laughs> yeah, feeling all right. Um, definitely tired, definitely sore, but I'm very happy to be back home in Boston. So the weather is very nice here compared to Eugene, where it was kind of hot. So, Do you at least get a direct from Eugene to Boston? 
Uh, I feel like you should, but no, we did not. I think just because you go through Eugene since it's so small. Um, so we went to San Francisco and then, and then like the six hour flight back. And how are you feeling? You got sixth place at USA's in the steeplechase. How are you feeling after that? Yeah, I mean, definitely a little disappointed. You know, obviously everybody I feel like who goes pretty much wants to make the team. So it's I feel like it's a hard place to be when like you still do well. Like by no means am I like, oh, six is bad. Like that's the highest I've placed at a track championship. But um, also, you know, you want to go into it thinking that you can make the team and um believing that so it's always like a weird place to be when you leave because you're like oh I'm like I guess I should be happy but also like I'm a little disappointed so you know still processing but um I've had a really good year so I feel like I just can't be upset with the year as a whole even if it didn't really end the way that I was hoping it would end and what did your coach say to you after the race (laughs) um I think I walked off and I think I said I never want to do that again (laughs) um and then he was just like (laughs) Yeah, I think he said, like, oh, championships are hard. You know, everybody wants to make the team. He said 90% of the people here don't make the team or will ever make the team. And he was like, I mean, sixth place isn't a bad place to be. You've had a good year. And um, think about it. We figure out what to change so that next time I come in and can make the team and then, you know, continue on. I mean, you're really blossoming this year. It sounds like a corny word, but like it's been a, like you said, you've had a good year. Do you feel like you're really coming into yourself as an athlete? Yeah, I mean, I hope so. I mean, of course, I still want to keep getting better. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I feel like I really like, I feel like this is the breakout year that I've kind of been hoping for. And I feel like that I've been really working for and just haven't quite had all the opportunities line up and all the things that I wanted to happen, like, happen until starting this year um running more of the times that I thought I should be running and just like hitting training in a way that everything was just clicking at the right times pretty much so yeah it's been it's been a really good year for me um and like I said I can't really be upset with it (laughs) overall your story to getting to where you are is super inspiring coming from a d3 college like I know you were a national champion at that level but like where you started when you a got to college first of all, but then when you became pro and just seeing this like self-belief to getting you to where you are and how much more there is and will be to give, I think that a lot of people might be looking from the sidelines, not really knowing like really what you have inside you, but you know your potential. Yeah, yeah, I I, I definitely feel like that's true. Um, Yeah, I, I think people will be like, oh, well, she won in D3, but she like, she killed everyone all the time. And that is absolutely not true. Um, I think people don't know that is probably the number one thing. I think everyone at this point is like, Oh, she's a D three athlete. Like just likes to beat the D one kids kind of thing. And it was like, no, like I started as a D three athlete because I couldn't go D (laughs) one. Like I was not very good. And um, I mean, I wasn't even the best on my team until probably my second or third year in college. And my team wasn't like winning or even going to nationals really. Um, So yeah, it's definitely been, yeah, a lot of hard work and I guess a lot of self-belief, although I feel like the self-belief kind of came, needed to be nurtured definitely um, at times. Like, I feel like I can, I'm either very confident or I'm like, oh, I'm bad at this. Like, this is not working well. Um, but I've had some good coaches along the way that have really helped me and good teammates too, who have just been like, no, like one of my teammates um, recently was like, well, I guess not recently, but last year was like, oh, you're, you're definitely going to run sub 15 in the 5k. And I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, my PR is 1535. Like there's no way that's going to happen. And now it's like, yeah, I think I'm in shape to do that. Um, 
So I've definitely had a lot of people who've helped me get to where I am. So this was before you ran the 1508 that someone said that. Mm -hmm. Okay. So who was that teammate? Yeah, that was my, well, I guess it was technically two of my teammates. It was my friends, Victor Pataki, um, who I went to school with um, at Center College. And then he was also my steeplechase coach for a year. And then my very good friend, Eddie Garcia, who's a professional runner. Um, He ran at Florida and now he runs for like the U.S. Virgin Islands. Um, And they were like my two teammates primarily on my team that I was on before Boston Athletic Association. Um, and for a while it was just us three. So I'd train with them every day and they'd like hype me up. That's awesome. <laughs> it was really good. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You have such a unique story because you trained with a lot of the men's team for much of your mm-hmm. college career. And now you're getting to train with women at the BAA. So tell us about the difference mm-hmm. between training with men and women. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think it also kind of is just like the difference in the level like I'm training with professional women versus I was training with um d3 men I mean I think the women that I train with now again I think it really just speaks to the fact that they're professionals and not women but um they're definitely better at pacing no offense to the men that I train with but occasionally (laughs) would get into workouts (laughs) and they would I think they would think that they were gonna have a better workout than it would go so we'd start out really fast like faster than our paces and then a lot of times by the end, it would be about half the group that started. Um, yeah, I mean, at first, the men were definitely hesitant to let me train with them. <laughs> like, I'd do workouts with them because my coach would make us. But, like, on easy runs, I think most of my junior year, I was running alone. <laughs> um, they were just kind of like, oh, like, what is this? Um, and then I, like, won a title. And I think they were like, okay, fine. Like, she's kind of, like, proved myself. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then they were very receptive. And they were good training partners. <laughs> but it definitely took a longer time. Um, but with the women, I don't know. I mean, it's, I think the fast stuff is both easier and harder just because like with the men, just with their testosterone it's going to come easier. Mm. So I might be a better 5k runner than one of my male counterparts, but probably in like a mile, it's like, he's probably has a better PB than me. Sure. So like faster reps are easier. Whereas with the women, um, if we're like doing like my, my teammates are both more distance people and I'm a, I'm not like necessarily an 800 or 1500 meter runner, but I'm definitely speedier. So it's like, I'll be the one leading the reps or I'll be doing them on my own. So it's Erica Kemp and who else are you training with? And Abby Wheeler. Okay. Yeah. From Providence. Yeah. Yeah. That development, like, do you feel like in the past two years as a pro, like what has your development looked like as far as learning how to pace better and like really understand your body in terms of training? Yeah, I think I've definitely learned to pace better for sure. I think um, I have a really, really bad internal clock and I can't do mental math. <laughs> so I feel like once I hit a pace, I can hit that consistently. But if my coach were to be like, in the middle of a rep, you came through the 800 and this, and you're supposed to be running this, like I would have no idea unless he had like told me beforehand, I need to run this through the 800. Um, and I haven't gotten any better at that. I wish I could say I have, but consistently I will run a race and then you know, beforehand, he'll be like, oh, you need to run 73s. And then I'll run like a few 73s and maybe like a 74 and a 75. And I'll finish the race and I'll always be surprised by how fast I went. Because in my mind, I'm like, oh, I hit a 75. It's going to be so off. And he'll be like, you hit the rest of them 73 low. Like, why would you think that? And I'm like, I just don't do math. (laughs) Um, But um, yeah, I feel like I've learned to just kind of adjust to, um, I've had two different pro coaches, like the different loads of like, at my first group, I was doing about the same mileage, but a lot more lifting. And just like, it was just like more intense. 
Um, and at the time I thought that was really good. And I thought that was gonna, you know, I was like, Oh, I'm working harder than everyone else in the country. Like it's going to get me far. And then when I came here, um, it was like, Oh, I'm doing so much less and like sometimes slower, but it was actually like way better for me. Um, just, I think I was overloading too much on my old team. So, you know, I, I guess as time goes on and I learn more about the sport and more about like training, um, like, I feel like I adjust to that as well with like how I train and stuff like that. How much are you lifting now? Um, we lift about twice a week. Okay. Um, Morgan Yusini is our, um, assist, our assistant coach, our conditioning coach. She was a very good 1500 meter runner. Um, she knows a lot about lifting and so she helps us out, but obviously like in the spring when we're traveling more, um, I'm not lifting as much. And she also like one big difference is that my old team, I would lift three times a week year round and it was about like an hour lift and it was the same thing every single time. And she changes it about monthly. Nice. So, um, yeah, she's like constantly changing it to like, and it's a little bit more individualized. Like I do different things than uh, my other teammates just because I think I've been lifting a little bit longer. Is that so. like a specialty of Morgan's? Like I know, I know who Morgan is from just yeah. following running forever, but like was strength training a specialty of hers or she's just like really fallen into that with coaching? Yeah, no, I think, I think it is. A, I mean, she, I, she clearly really enjoyed it. Like back when she was running, she'd be like, Oh, I used to do this. And we're like, you're crazy. <laughs> um, but yeah, she's since been like certified and then she's like a personal trainer at a rock climbing gym. Oh, cool. Um, so yeah, she is extremely knowledgeable. And sometimes, like I said, she changes it like once a month and it's like mine and then the marathon boys and like Eric and Abby's are all different. And so the fact that she's coming out with like all these, I've never seen anyone have just such an extensive knowledge of different exercises to do. Like I was like, how do you know these? Like there's so many. And I feel like I've been lifting for, for a long time and I still am like, I've never done this. Like so, she's watching she's you train and race and saying like, I think that you need more power in like X, Y, and Z. So she'll like cater your workout specifically for you. Yes. That's cool. It's crazy. Like she was like, she was like, oh, well, um, you know, your barriers, you said that your ankle feels kind of weak when you're doing this, when you're landing on it out of the water. And she's like, so now we're going to do this exercise for that you are like jumping off of a platform and then like bouncing out to work on like the power and like your ankle mobility. And I was like, okay, <laughs> like, how did you think of this? That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. So I know you held the D3 steeple record. Do you still hold it? Mm-hmm. I do still hold it. Yep. Okay. So when did you decide to transition to steeplechase and like, as a pro, how do you choose like steeple over 5k, especially, you know, you just ran that 1508 in what was it January or December? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I guess I never really like transitioned into steeplechase. I did it one year um, in high school, actually. Oh, high it's school. Kind of yeah, it's super rare, but um, occasionally high school track meets will have like a steeplechase. Interesting. Um, yeah, and so I went to one meet. Like I only ran track two years in high school, but every year we went to one meet that had um, a steeplechase, and it was a two thousand meter instead of like a three thousand meter. And I think mm. the barriers were lower, but um, so I did that. And so then when I came into college, my coach was like, oh, you've actually done it before. And she was like, great. I mean, she also just kind of throws everyone into it at least once. But she was like, great. OK, you're going to do this. Um, and I was like excited about it and wanted to do it. And then 
um, when we got our assistant coach for a year, Victor, he like really helped me work on the hurdles. And so then I got better at it. And then it was like clear that that was something I was a little better at, um, at the time, at least than some of the flatter races. Um, and then, yeah, how I chose it this year is my coach was like, well, it's your best chance of making a team. And I was like, okay. <laughs> um, and I was definitely resistant to it. I love it, but I also hate it a little bit. So yeah, it was hard to like not, I wish it had been a better schedule because I am dying to run a 5k mm. because I just know I'm in such good 5k shape right now. But um, I also, I do like a really big goal of mine is to make a team. So I will do steeplechase, even if it means a little bit more anxiety uh, for me. <laughs> like the anxiety because of the barriers and just like the extra stress that goes into steeple. Yes. Um, the barrier, I don't know if everyone feels this anxiety. I think it's just me. I'm just not great at the barriers. There's no secret. I, if you watch any of my races recently, the commentators will say how bad I am at it the entire race. Does that bother you? <laughs> it, it's a, I mean, yeah, it's a little annoying because at the time it was like, well, I, I ran a world standard and all anyone wants to talk about is the fact that I'm bad at the barriers. And I think people think I don't know. And I absolutely know <laughs> um, the amount of times I've heard, well, if you were just better, you'd cut off seven it's anywhere from like seven to 12 seconds. Like the amount of times I hear that is unbelievable. And so, sometimes even my fiance will say it and I'll just be like, literally stop. Like I do not <laughs> want to hear this right now. Yeah. It's like, I know, like, you don't think I know my sport. I know that I'm bad at it. I know that I'm stutter stepping into it, that I could cut off time if I just worked on it. Like if you don't think it's for lack of trying, I am working on it. I try. <laughs> um, but I understand because if you were to, if I were to see someone else doing it, I'd be like, why is she doing that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I get it. But for everyone out there, I do practice. <laughs> um, I have tried very hard to not stutter step into it. <laughs> is it like how, yeah. I mean, cause is it the stutter step happen because you're like, okay, like I got to get over. I don't want to fall. Like I'm sure that there's so many calculations going in your head in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think partially for me, it's because I'm only really good at hurdling over one leg. And so a lot okay. of the time it's I'm, I'm making minor adjustments to like make sure I go over on that leg. I think also at this point, it's like kind of like just a little bit of a nervous habit. And then it's just like, honestly, I think I've just been told I'm so bad at it that it's like, I just like think that. <laughs> and so it's like, oh, whatever. That's like um, my thing. Yeah. 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 But um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think it's definitely like a mental thing that I just like have because everyone else like there is thousands of people who are, I mean, run slower than me and can do the b barriers way better. Mm. And so I like, I don't, I don't know why it is. And, and like, don't even try, like don't practice and can do it perfectly. Um, so it's definitely something mental, I guess, but <laughs> yeah, it's the bane of my existence. <laughs> so this episode is sponsored by inside tracker. I'm so grateful to have them on board for the podcast. Inside Tracker was created by leading scientists in aging genetics, biometrics, and Inside Tracker analyzes your blood, DNA, and fitness tracking data to identify where you're optimized and where you are not. We put so much time and energy into running or whatever it is you personally are passionate about. And I just think to be able to know what your levels are, especially for your iron and things like that, it's key. So with Inside Tracker, they will take your blood panel, and then they will give you those results and give you an ultra personalized performance system that analyzes all the data 
from your blood, DNA, lifestyle, and it will help you learn how to optimize your body and reach your goals. For a limited time, you can receive 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store when you go to insidetracker.com slash another. If you go to that exact landing page, that should automatically apply the 20%. If that's not working, just use the code another and that will get you 20% off. So when you ran the 1508, I mean, that is really like you hit the world standard too. And you were saying like how you kind of like would rather run a 5k right now, but you're doing what makes you, you know, like most likely to make a team. When can you run a 5k now? Like now that this is done. Oh, I know. Um, I don't know. (laughs) I am definitely, I was, I don't know if I'm as much itching now to do it. I was definitely itching to do it. My coach was like, cause I was like, I think I can run sub 15 right now. Yeah. Like how, you know, what if that doesn't happen again? He was just like, Annie, he was like, you're going to be able to run that. Like, he's like, you've been training one year. He was like, you still have a lot more. He's like, you don't need to stress about it. Um, at this point, it's like the only other track meets I think really happening are back in California. And I'm not super excited about traveling back across the country. Um, it's definitely been a long season. And I think I'm definitely got a little burnt out. Um, just like, from racing as much so I don't know if I'll race one right now I also like I was like oh I want to go race one but I don't want to keep training for like two or three weeks to do that so it's like yeah so hard to like want to capitalize on the fitness but also like know your limits and know that like Mm -hmm. and really trust the process like he's saying like you're gonna be here again but you're like but I'm here now yeah yeah so hard but yeah I know I know it's like why wouldn't you take that opportunity to run that but he's also like if you really think you're not going to be in this shape again, then you have no belief in yourself. And I'm like, I mean, that's true. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And he he also made a good point. He was like, I mean, if you really want to, we, we can, but he was also like, you know, a lot of people like when they start getting burnt out, they'll like try to push through it and Mm. do things. He's like, that's when you get injured. And that's why, you know, you know when to take breaks and stuff like that. And that's why you haven't really been injured. And I was like, that's, that's true. Yeah. So, and honestly, it will keep me, um, it will keep me excited for all of like the fall training to just like get out there for that first indoor BU meet yeah, <laughs> and snag a PB. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Allison at fast women, I noticed you, when you tweeted about being like an underdog and, <laughs> and like maybe people wouldn't have their bets on you. And she was like saying like, let me try to keep you an underdog as long <laughs> as possible because like you place the bet on you and, and I, you're going to get the bet right. And yeah. I, I had, we had just booked the interview with you, I think before that I saw that tweet and I was like, oh, this is so fun. Cause I just really, I think that Allison like knows the sport and she knows, mm-hmm. she knows the people like you who might be flying under the radar, but then you come out and you like win the Boston mile and like, and so I thought that that was super exciting to see her say that to you when you follow media and hear those kinds of comments like what does that do for your self-esteem or do you try to like block it out oh yeah I mean it definitely does (laughs) Allison Wade and I'll say this time and time again has my back through and through (laughs) and I think it's just because I mean she she was like the first person to really like of anyone relevant in like media to follow me because she follows d3 running and that's pretty rare yeah um and so I feel like she's been like cheering me on for a really long time and that's always made me feel really good because I definitely am someone who like and not because it's like I'm 
not for any good reason, I think, besides just, like, coming out of D3, it's definitely people pay attention a lot less. Um, and, like, when people are even just, like, near the top of D1, it's, like, their name is, like, reoccurring. So you just, like, remember it. So then when they go pro, it's, like, yeah, of course. Like, we know that person. And me, it's kind of, like, who? <laughs> like, And, I mean, again, fairness, because I came out of college running, like, 1630. Um, and if you think about, like, the women in D3 running 1630, like, you're not going to hear about them that yeah. often necessarily. And so... Yeah, but she's always been there. She's always, like, really championed my cause. Um, I feel like every time I have a tweet go, like, I'll call it, like, running community viral. Yeah, it's yeah. She retweet- it's because she retweets it. <laughs> um, and she always is, like, you know, she she coached. I, am a co- I was a coach at Wellesley, and she coached there for a while. So we've talked about that and stuff like that. So, yeah, she's always um, – she always hypes me up, and it does always make me feel good. And I'm like, yeah, okay. No, I am, like – I'm right. Like I am good. Like I can do this. <laughs> so good. Yeah. I, yeah. it's been really cool to see her develop fast women. Cause I remember when she launched it and like to see what that does for the women's running community has been so oh cool. I know. Yeah, it is so cool. Um, I'm a huge fast women fan. I think it's just like, it's so nice to have a, a platform where like, it's just women's running. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to say I don't follow men's running because I definitely like pay attention enough to running to like hear what's happening on the men's side. But I mean, like, I'd rather follow the women and uh, maybe that's just because like, that's who I'm competing against. And so like, I'm more interested, but there's no other like place that you're going to go and just really see the women's results. Not that it's, I mean, like David Monty does a great job with his thing. Um, and it's not like, I don't, I don't want to read the men's stuff, but like, I just, because it's only the women's running, I feel like I get a lot more in depth of like what exactly is happening um, from her newsletter and stuff. So yeah, I really like it. (laughs) I had like a super busy weekend with my kids. It was one of their birthdays and I wasn't able to watch a lot of the track Mm -hmm. like live because I was like literally hosting a birthday party when it's happening. (laughs) And um, I told her, I was like, I'm so glad that this, I knew that I could look forward to like the legit and true breakdown of everything that happened in your newsletter, you know? Yeah. And right. and from the women's side, which, you know, I get more excited about too. Um, but you are a self-proclaimed feminist. What does that mean to you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I was a gen, not to, you know, whatever, but I was a gender studies minor in college. So <laughs> I feel like uh, there's a lot of <laughs> um, things that feminism can mean. But for me, it basically means, you know, I want to empower women um, to be on more equal terms with men. Um, and I think there's a lot of like niche, we've come a long way, but there's definitely a lot of like niche ways in which women aren't. I mean, can just go back to, uh, Roe v. Wade being overturned recently. That's a big way, but there's also a lot of like very small ways in which like society is centered around like the way we've done things forever, which usually means like catering to men and not to women. Um, and so, you know, I'm just want to empower women to get to where they want to be and follow their dreams and, For me, it means just like, I don't know, trying to stay in tune with like what's happening and like social justice um, in the world more in terms of like just like gender, um, whether that be like issues with specifically women or trans women or um, non-binary people. I definitely just try to keep like keep on what's going on in that and like try to make sure I have like informed and educated views on it, you know, and if there's action to be taken, take it as well. And you've coached, so you mentioned mm-hmm. Wellesley. Mm-hmm. Now I didn't realize you left Wellesley. I uh, yeah, I just did. I haven't really like 
I, I guess I don't really put that much about Wellesley on my account anyway, but, um, yes, I just recently quit. Okay. Actually. Yeah. Um, which is very sad Aww. because I love them so much, but I just wasn't expecting, I, I frankly, I just wasn't expecting to be as good as I have oh. ran this year. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, um, I have never just focused on running mm. and I don't know if that would help. Um, I talked to my head coach, Phil, a lot about it. Um, cause I think he, you know, he was like, you know, what are you thinking kind of thing. And I was like, yeah, like, um, he's followed me since, I mean, he had athletes at D3 when I was like winning. So like, he knows my story and stuff like that. We've talked a lot. And he, I was just like, yeah, you know, I've never focused on just running and now I'm getting to the point where, you know, a few seconds in time could be the difference between making a team and not. And I was like, I think I need to take this year and figure out if like just focusing on running is good, um, is good for me or if it's bad. Cause he was like, you know, what if you're one of those people who needs a lot going on? I was like, yeah, that might be true. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I was like, but I need to figure that out before the Olympic year, you know, and figure out like if that works. So, um, you know, he was sad and disappointed and I I know this, the girls are sad Mm. and disappointed too, but, um, yeah, I mean, I'm still around. I'll probably go to all other meets. And he was pretty much like, you know, if you get halfway through the year and you're like, this isn't working out, you know, it's the door is open. We love having you. Um, but yeah, it it was great. It was very fun. I love doing it. Um, and it really wasn't all super stressful or anything like that. There's just a few moments where it was like mostly indoor season where it's like, oh, I'm going to go race at BU, which is near me. But it's like, I'm not going to get home until midnight. And then I have to wake up the next morning and go be at one of their meets like all days and it's like mm-hmm. oh those few instances of like if I had this flexibility to like rest or like if I had a little bit of more flexibility to like go to another altitude training camp like would I be better um so I think I just need to figure that out I think that's so smart you know I feel like I talk to so many athletes like this camp of people who don't do both and this camp of people that do and it mm-hmm. seems like the people that do they do need that Yeah, but they've probably also explored if they've been given the opportunity that other side. So how smart that you're doing it now and giving yourself time before the Olympic year. Yes. Yeah, I think I I mean, I kind of agree with Phil. I am probably more likely someone who needs more going on. Like I'm scared that I'm going to be very bored. Yeah. Um, But you know, if maybe I'm just recovering like 10% more and I can get that much better, then it'd be worth it to just be bored oh, all the time. For sure. Yeah. You can watch a so, lot of lot of trashy Netflix. Oh, gosh. I, I already do. Read a lot of yeah. books on feminism. You got, yeah. a lot, you got a lot you could really do. Yeah. So, um, you know, gonna gonna see how that goes. I'm sure I'll still be tempted to, like, show up to practice every day. But you could you great. show up sometimes and just, like, support? Yeah, I mean... Yeah, because I was like, maybe I should just because I thought about it for like months. And I was like, maybe I should just like volunteer coach. Yeah. Um, You know, and but I was like, I, I am someone who if I'm gonna do something, I need to do it like 100%. And so even that like, he had no issue with me being like, listen, Phil, I'm not going to be here this weekend because I'm going to my meet. He's like, okay, awesome. You know, he doesn't really need me. He knows how to do his job. (laughs) And he's very good at it. You know, I'm great asset. But he's like, fine without you. Yeah. Um. But, like, I would feel bad about it. Like, mm-hmm. he had no issue when I wasn't there for, like, half the meets this track. But it was, like, I feel so bad not being there. And, like, if I'm going to do something, I want to do it all the way. And so I was, like, I can try to do that. But, like, relatively, I'm still going to just be at practice every single day. Like, I'm not going to be sitting at home, like, oh, I'm not going to go. It's, like, 
no, I'm going to feel obligated to go and I'm going to go. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, it's not going to change anything. Yeah. Do you live near Wellesley? No, I don't. Um, That's another I factor like, then probably. Yeah. I live like 30 minutes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which isn't too bad, but you know, then I don't get home till 630 usually with traffic, which is kind of, uh, which doesn't seem late, but it is late. Like in the winter, it's dark. I think it's late <laughs> and, in the winter in Boston. Yeah. 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 Um, and then, you know, my fiance gets home only a little bit earlier. And then he usually wants to like go run or lift. Then we're not eating until like eight because yeah. of that, just on who makes dinner first. So, yeah. Do you guys share that? Like who's who likes to cook more? Oh, I mean him. He's he does. Way, oh, yeah. yeah. He, I don't know. I, I mean, yeah, he likes to do it more, but he's also just way better at that. Yeah, same. Um, my husband's way better, too. Yeah, yeah. So I get I get stressed out by it. I like need to follow a recipe. Yes. And he, he, he takes longer, but yes. and he makes a mess, but yep. he's, yeah, he's way better at that. So we let him do that. Yes. Yeah. I resonate <laughs> with all of that. I mean, like, he just throws things together Yes, and like just, oh, we'll do this. And I'm like, but what's the plan? I need a game plan. Yeah. I need to make sure I have all my things and I clean up as I go and he just, you know, yes, so. yes. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you yeah. what, I've been married 14 years and uh, marrying someone who likes to cook and is good at it is probably one of the best decisions mm-hmm. I've ever made. Oh, my God. I Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have already come to that conclusion. I'm like, this is great. Like, I don't like doing it. Not that I'm like, OK, but I'm not that great at it. The only bad thing is he does things on like his own time. Mm-hmm. And so like, I don't think he realizes I come home and I'm like starving. Like yeah. I ate a snack at practice, but I'm still like, I want to eat now. Yeah. And he's like, oh, you know, doing this and it takes 50 minutes to make it. And I'm just like, I'm like, I'm hungry like, now. Angry. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, but, how did you guys meet? Um, we met in Greenville, South Carolina. Um, he was, we actually technically met on Bumble, which is very funny. Okay. But we knew of each other for like, I guess we didn't meet. We matched on Bumble, but we knew of each other for like a year or two, maybe and a year. And then you matched and you like recognized him? Yes. Oh, yeah. funny. So he was dating other people um, <laughs> and I was not. And I remember the first time I saw him, he worked at a running store with all my friends who were on my team with me. And I remember the first time I saw him, I was like, he's really hot, which I never <laughs> think about people. <laughs> but um, and then I'd like occasionally ask my teammates to be like, oh, what about your like randomly? I'd be like, oh, what about your... Um, co-worker call and they'd be like oh yeah he's dating so and so I'm like oh, okay um and then I kind of forgot about it and he came up on my bumble and I was like mm, I don't know he works with all my team with all my teammates I was like that'd be weird like he can't be that great of a guy because I don't talk about him that much and so I actually rejected him <laughs> and then <laughs> um we had a team dinner like the next night and I told them and they're like oh my god Annie oh no oh, he's such a great guy. And I was like, okay. (laughs) They're like, you shouldn't have done that. And I was like, whatever. And then actually he came up again, which has never happened to me. And like, not that I'm on Bumble that much, but it's never happened to me that like someone came up again. Did he have to like re-ask? No, I mean, I think they just like show up randomly. Okay. I don't know. Like I was kind of on it as a joke. Like I wasn't really going on dates with anyone or anything. And so I was like, oh, that has never happened where I saw someone twice. And so I was like, and I thought about it a long time. Then I was like, okay, fine. And then I almost didn't message him either. And then I did. Um, and then like within the next week, we went on our first date. And then I think we went on like three dates the first week <laughs> of knowing each other. <laughs> and one of them was like, we went hiking. So it was like a 10 hour date. Um, wow. And then by the end of the week, he was like, do you want to be my girlfriend? And he was like, <laughs> I will follow you anywhere. Aww. He was like, <laughs> yeah, he was very quick. He was basically like, 
wrote me a letter because he's very romantic and he was like I will pretty much follow you I will do whatever it takes to make you happy like I'll follow you wherever and I was just like wow okay yeah so I was it was uh definitely like love at first sight that is so sweet yeah so and he followed you to Boston he did he followed me to Boston he was right he would follow (laughs) me anywhere yeah (laughs) how does he feel about that did he like grow up in Greenville no no he didn't um he's from Michigan actually oh okay so he can handle the cold Yeah, yeah, he, um, yeah, but he moved to Greenville, his parents moved there, and then he moved there, and he was there for three years, and I was there for two, um, and he kind of moved there because it was, like, warm, so yeah. it was definitely at first, like, oh, I don't know about this, <laughs> but, um, yeah, the move worked out, like, really, really good for us in, like, a lot of ways, so it was, awesome. it, it was pretty good, yeah. Um, I saw you post that you lived in South Carolina for two years, though, and only went to the beach once. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's really not that close to where I live. Where, to be fair. where the beach is. Yeah. How far yes, are you from yeah. the beach? It was like three or four hours. Oh yeah. 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 And I've gone to the beach before that. Like I lived in Charleston for a summer. So I was at the beach every weekend. Okay. But yeah. When I actually lived in Greenville, the only time I went to the beach was like two weeks before I moved. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, um, we recently moved to North Carolina from Indiana. So similar because oh, yeah, you're yeah. from Ohio down to mm-hmm. we're two hours from the beach. So yeah, you live in Raleigh, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My sister lives there. So I'm, oh, I'm there really? a lot. Yes. We were actually looking to maybe move there or Boston oh. when I was like making a move because we love Raleigh. like we want to after Boston, we love Boston, but eventually we want to like settle down and live in Raleigh. Oh, good. We love it there. Yeah. It's good. such a great place. You're, you guys can come over for dinner and your husband and my husband can cook <laughs> together. <laughs> okay. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Um, when are you guys getting married? Um, probably September of next year. Okay. Cool. I have, yeah. I have nothing planned because um, I'm not a planner and I was focusing on running. <laughs> so now I need on. to get on it. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, probably we're not in a rush, but probably next year and yeah. probably September because of like U.S. champs and stuff. Yeah. You got to fit it around yeah. around work. I know. Now, what's your yeah. what's your fiance? What's his name? Colin? Colin. What's mm-hmm. he doing in Boston yeah. now? Um, He is a marketing manager at like um, a high end like Boston based furniture store. OK, cool. Yeah. Um. OK, so tell me the BAA group before you were with them, you were with the Greenville ASICS group. So mm-hmm. now you're with yeah. Adidas and BAA. What's the difference in those training groups as far as like sponsorships and stuff like that? Oh, yeah. Um, I was basically unsponsored at my last group. Um, we have not a sponsorship, but like an agreement, I would say, with ASICS. Um, my old coach just worked there for a okay. while. Um, and so like ASICS, I don't even think they knew I existed. Um, it was more just like mm. they would send, like my coach would be like, we need these shoes and they'd send us these shoes. So we'd get, we'd get good shoes, but, um, and we'd be not as, definitely not as many as I have now, but like I'd be pretty well taken care of there, but definitely not like a ton of clothes or anything like that. They weren't like sending us the A6 kit. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I got free housing um, while I was there, just like in the houses that my, coaches owned but um yeah I wasn't like receiving money or anything like that so I was working basically two at sometimes like three other jobs and they weren't like crazy big jobs like I was like a wellness coordinator for a real estate company and my boss was on the board so like I was going in like once or twice a month and just doing remote work and I was a high school coach um and then I was like doing a little bit of like the Instagram for like my um team a little bit so it wasn't like I was like actually working like three like full-time jobs or anything but um yeah 
So I was doing that. And then obviously um, BAA was like a huge jump up where it was like, I'm contracted and I'm paid and I'm like a sponsored Adidas athlete. So how does that feel? Yeah. Uh, pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I'm just like, I really just get paid to run. So <laughs> cool. So cool. Yeah. Yeah. I never, I legitimately never thought I'd ever be paid to run. So when did that very nice. thought switch? Like when in Greenfield, were you like, I can do this. I can be a truly sponsored athlete where I'm getting paid to run. Yeah. Um, I mean, definitely like my, my second year there, I like went into it and I was like, I had like a two year contract, um, with them and I was kind of like, you know, yeah, I mean, like I'm thinking about re-signing, but you know, a goal for me would be that we can talk to ASICs and get like, you know, a very small sponsorship at the Mm -hmm. end of the year. Like my goal is to like be making any sort of money at the end of this year. Um, and so that was kind of a thought. I didn't really think it was like super possible, but I was like, you know, that's my goal for the year is like, I get good enough to do that. And then like the end of my year just didn't super go well just with running and I got a bulging disc um, Mm. in my spine and then that, you know, that really messed up steepling. Um, And so they were kind of just like, yeah, don't, I don't think it's going to happen. Like, you know, we can offer you a little bit of money to stay kind of thing. And I I think they thought I was going to stay. And then, you know, just at the trials, I just remember thinking, you know, this, this just isn't working out. Um, and I was kind of scared to like go look at other opportunities. Cause I was just like, I just, I don't know if I'm really that good. And my parents and Colin were both like, no, like you are like you, you should seek out other opportunities. Like, you know, um, they've been good to you, but also like, we think you can make money. Like you should go try to do that. And so at the trials, I emailed, um, a few different people. And then I remember being surprised when Mark got back to me and was like, yeah, why don't we fly you up here to visit? And I was like, really? Like, you want me to come visit? Like, you would let me on your team? <laughs> like, you would pay me? Um, and then even more surprised, and he was like, yeah, like, you know, we'll give you a contract. Wow. You bet on yourself, though, too. I mean, yeah, it's a weird how, like, what takes the self-belief, right? Because sometimes, mm-hmm. for me at least, self-belief is like, when someone doubts me, I'm like, what? Excuse me? You want me? To, you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? But th- yeah. sometimes we really need people to be like, no, like, you need to bet on yourself. Like, Mm -hmm. how important do you think it was that your parents and Colin were like, go? Incredibly. I mean, especially from Colin, just like, you know, like, I was like, like, our life is here. And like, we weren't super tied down. But like, you know, because he was he was looking for a different job. And, um, you know, we were kind of already thinking about moving anyway. But um, and his parents lived there. But like, for him to just be like, no, like, if you need to be in Boston, we can go to Boston. Like, Mm -hmm. this is really important. And like, this is your dream. And like, right now, it's like, you know, my job is kind of up in the air anyway. So like, I can do that. Um, I mean, for him to be like that, that was like, I don't think I would have like tried or like even really thought about leaving if he hadn't been like, no, like go find a better opportunity for you. Yeah. Like, I'll come with you. Um, so yeah, I mean that he's, he's a great partner, obviously. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Like we're, I mean, we're always talking about like next moves, not that I'm making a move anytime soon, yeah. but like next moves and like what we want to do and stuff. And he's always like, no, you know, just the other day he was like, you have like a short timeline, like when you can do your things. Um, and so like, we're going to, you know, within reason, we're going to prioritize that. And then, you know, after that, you know, like can be my turn to like, you know, what I need to do if I like get a, a big job opportunity and stuff. And he was like, but you know, you only get a little bit of time to do your running and that's really important. 
So, I mean, yeah, it was everything. I wouldn't have, I don't think I would have reached out to the BAA if Colin hadn't been like, this isn't working. Go do it. You're good enough. Were you nervous when you reached out to them? Yeah. I mean, I, I, to be honest, I was a little nervous. My old coaches were going to find out. Oh, <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and not be super thrilled. But yeah, I was, I was nervous for sure. Cause I, I honestly was like, I'm not good enough. Like, I don't, I don't know if they'll take me, even though like I had, I think the time standards, I was just like, Oh, I don't know. You know, like I was, I was surprised when Mark was like, yeah, we'll fly you in. And I was like, Oh, okay. Like you mean business. But yeah. And then when I got here, I remember telling Colin, I had to, I came and visited on my own. I remember being like, they aren't even like asking me about like my times or like, like it, I didn't feel like I had to prove myself. And mm-hmm. that was not something I, I was very used to like having to be like, Oh, like I'm going to get better, like kind of thing. And they didn't ask me about my training at all. It was just like seeing if I was a fit for the team. That's so, um, cool. so that was very cool. Yeah. Hey friends, this episode of the podcast is supported by Gooder. If you are looking for an awesome pair of sunglasses that don't slip around when you're on the go, look no further than Gooder. They have really classic styles as well as really fun and loud styles. My go-to pair are the Aviators. I love just the standard black Aviator shades. I also love the Breakfast Run to Tiffany's. And in races, I like to wear the fun colors. I think it's super fun and brings a little bit of attitude and sass to a race. So go to gooder.com slash another. Use the code another15, that's another 15, to save 15% off your order. All right, back to the show. It's kind of crazy how we can like box ourselves in. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you could have boxed yourself into this like smaller A6 deal and living in Greenville and just thinking like, I'm going to be a good runner, but like I'm not going to push myself to be like on a U.S. team and mm-hmm. things like that. And it's like, gosh, like, aren't you so grateful that you were like, no, I believe I'm going to go do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think that was I think that was a good lesson, too. Like I still wanted to be, you know, as much I when I was on that team in Greenville, I still wanted to be like the best I could. Like I still was yeah. like, I want to be the best just like I am now. Like I want to be the best. But it definitely felt like a lot harder from there, you know, just like and not that and I, I mean, anyone can do it from any situation, but it felt a lot harder to get there just in that situation that I was in. Um, and yeah, I think like taking the jump to moving here. I mean, moving across the country was insane, <laughs> um, but taking the jump and just like having it pay off, I think also kind of helped me with like future races of like, I'm going to get on the line, like believe that I can do it because sometimes it does work out. Like it's not going to work out every single time, but just like believing in myself when I get in the line that like, oh, you know what? I can run that time or like I can beat this person um, or like I can win the race kind of thing. And I think that's been like, I've, I mean, I've always thought that like definitely in D3 at the end of my career, I definitely thought that because I was winning, but then jumping into the pro world and being like, yeah, I'm very low on the totem pole Yeah, was like, okay, it was, it was a good like, relearning like how to you know rise to the top kind of thing but it definitely like knocked a little bit of confidence out of me so yeah I imagine entering the pro scene um as someone like you mentioned coming out of d1 who's like everybody knows their name and is like Mm -hmm. kind of already at those standards like hitting higher standards it's just a whole different pro experience at the beginning yes yes and I mean to be fair to them they're also just running faster than I was you know what I mean um 
but yeah, I mean, I think, I think you're just set up a lot better. Yeah. Um, I've just like heard now being here, like a lot more about like contracts mm-hmm. and, you know, how people get contracts and like, there's always rumors about what people are getting paid and, you know, and pretty much it seems like the biggest thing is just like, if you do well at D1 nationals, you'll be set up really well, mm. which is crazy. Cause like theoretically, I mean, Christian Noble is a great example from Lee. It's like, he can beat a lot of the D1 kids from D2, but it's like, he probably wasn't going to get straight out the same deal running the same time at like a D2 national yeah. championship. Yeah. Just like from, I think just from like the exposure of it kind of thing. And again, right. I wasn't, I wasn't running times that were going to win D- D1 nationals in college, but it is very interesting. Um, I mean, even just like finishing all American or like being at D1 nationals can like do a lot to help you get a contract. Totally. Um, yeah, which is crazy. It's like people ride on that a lot. Like it's like, oh yeah, I'll just wait until nationals and see how that goes. Cause even if I don't have a great season, if I can do fairly well, I can get a lot of money. It's crazy. Yeah. So what's your message in case we have any younger listeners listening that are like, maybe even high school, you know, mm-hmm. hey, holler at us if you're in high school and you're listening to this podcast. <laughs> um, which is, I think about that though, because you are, what are you, 25? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, so I started this podcast, you were like 19. So we I mean, we have probably listeners that are in their early 20s that maybe yeah. started in high school. So we, we probably have a, a little bit of a base there. Um, what's your message to a runner who's like, fast, you know, mm-hmm. like, I know, in high school, you won, or you got second place at state, right in track? Oh, no. Oh, no. I, oh you did. I wish. No, I was like 13th out of 16 at state. Okay, but still, yeah. okay, you play. You, yeah, you I'm from Ohio, state. though. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. It's like a very competitive state for track. Yeah. I was gonna say, like, even getting 13th at state, like, yeah, yeah, that's a good runner. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like, not like, someone that's being like recruited by D1 schools and things like that, or maybe Mm -hmm. someone that is D3 now, like what is your message to them after like this progress that you've had? Yeah. I mean, I think obviously like there's, you're going to have to work hard no matter what. Like I went D3, um, maybe in some routes I had to work a little bit harder to get to where I am just in terms of like maybe a slightly less opportunities but, like, my teammates who ran D1, they had to work just as hard to be fast as well. You know what I mean? Like, the hard work is the hard work. Like, you're going to have to put the work in no matter what. Whether you are D1, whether you're D2, whether you're D3, whether you're NIA, you've got to work hard. Um, but I would say as someone who's maybe coming from maybe less exposure, whether that is D3 or just, you know, a smaller D1 school, um, or maybe you're from high school going to college, I think you just have to vouch for yourself. I mean, mm. I wasn't really recruited very much in high school going into college um, because I didn't run cross country. So typically high school coaches recruit from like cross country times. Um, So like I had to basically recruit myself. Like I was emailing coaches and being like, here's my times. Um, Can I be on your team? (laughs) Um, And I think that's a valuable lesson. I mean, that's, that's the same with professional people. People are not going to, most people, unless you're like winning D1 or like doing pretty well at D1, professional coaches are not going to be, texting you mm-hmm. you know you could have the times to be on a team and they're not going to be like calling you and being like oh come on our team like you kind of have to vet for yourself um and you know go get those opportunities and I think that's probably the most valuable thing that you can you can learn you've got to work hard and you've got to prove yourself in the races at like the right times and stuff but you also don't expect that it's going to happen just because you are running the times um because there's a lot of people who are fast enough 
to be professional that like are never going to be contacted by anyone mm. um so you kind of have to go after it yourself and just like be willing to I mean be rejected I've been rejected a lot <laughs> by teams um especially coming out of college but you know you got to keep betting on yourself and put yourself out there and be be willing to be rejected and fail a lot yes and you mm. all listening like even if it's not professional running like take that advice to your like your work and your you know raising your kids whatever it is like just stick your neck out there because otherwise you're going to be stagnant I just it's so important and you have to put yourself out there even though it's embarrassing I mean I think about that with interviews sometimes like I get embarrassed if people tell me no it like nobody wants to be told no Mm -hmm. but like if you don't ask you're not in the game right yeah and you're never gonna I mean it's like it's even similar with just like racing like sometimes you have enough have to do the crazy move and kind of you know, push really hard and it's not going to work out every single time. Like sometimes you're going to end up dying in the last K and like getting second to last, but sometimes it's going to work out and you're going to run really well and you're going to like prove yourself. So you just kind of have to get after it. Um, and it doesn't always work out, but like the times it does makes every other time worth it. I think. How do you balance that? I heard you in an interview after you won the BA BA mile, um, saying that your coach told you not to go and you went because you were like, <laughs> so like, how do you balance those like instincts versus like, oh, what your coach tells you? well, to be fair, it's because my coach told me to go earlier. Okay. So really it was like, I had no other choice. Okay. He said, he said, you can win it, but don't just rely on your kick. Okay. And I felt really horrible. And so really it was just like, well, he said I have to win it. So I better win it kind of thing. <laughs> And I didn't go earlier. (laughs) Um, So that was more just like, oh, okay, he was right. I do feel okay. But I doubted him when I was supposed to be making the move because I did not feel good. Okay. (laughs) You were opposite. You went later. Yeah. 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 He said, he was like, oh, you know, don't try to be like the hero that tries like outkick people because it doesn't work on this like road race. And I was like, yeah, fair. You know it well. I've never done it. And then I did exactly that. And it did happen to work out, but like just barely. (laughs) But like, were you scared? Like if. When he told you to go, like, I will fizzle out. Like, I won't be able to Yeah, strong. yeah. I f- yeah, I just felt so, like, and he told me this, too. He was like, listen, you're coming at it from, you know, higher mileage and, like, not doing a lot of speed work. He was like, right. whenever I would do that, because he was a professional runner, he was like, whenever I would do that, I would feel like shit from the beginning, but I wouldn't die. And he was like, you're too strong. You're not going to yeah. die. He was like, you're going to feel bad, but you're not going to die. And that's exactly what happened. But I doubted it. I was just like, the middle of my race, the middle of my race is like my weakest part. I'm just like, ah, I don't know if I can do it. And then at the end, I'm always, that's why I have a good kick. Because I'm just like, oh, oh no, I can. I can beat these people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, That is so interesting. You're going to feel like crap, but you'll be strong enough. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he's like, you're going to feel really bad in the beginning because like the pace. Yeah. yeah and he yeah. was like, but I guarantee you, you're not going to die. Like, you're not going to go to the well. And I was like, oh, okay. What's the most memorable race or experience you've had this past year? Hmm. Um, I think I'd probably have to go with the first BU one just um, because it was such a surprise. The 1508. Um, yeah, the 1508 because I was, I was pacing, which I think helped a lot to my advantage just because I – I think everyone like thought I went to the race and was like trying to be insidious and like beat people. And it was like, no, I was very worried about just pacing them for three mm-hmm. K. Um, and I think just like being so worried about that, like it wasn't about my own racing and I was like, yeah, maybe I'll stay in, but I thought I'll stay in and just like kind of die and run like 1525 or something like that. Um, but just being so focused on like 
hitting those splits, maybe not even think about like how fast I was going or like the work that I was doing, like the fact that I was leading. And so I think it just helped me. And then I just like rallied and had some self-belief that I was like, actually, I feel okay. Um, and was able to stand it. It was just like such a huge surprise that I was like, I remember saying to Colin when we first moved to Boston, I was like, you know, if by some great miracle, I was like, if just things go perfectly here, I was like, what if by the time the trial or like the US championships come around, I was like, if I can run the world standard in the 5k, I was like, we'll buy a car. Cause that's how much I did not think it was going to happen. And I was just like, we'll buy a car for me <laughs> if I do that. And then of course, like to do that in like my first track race, it was like, oh, <laughs> like it was just, it was very surprising. Um, but it was just like, yeah, it was a great way to like kick things off here and um, kick off my year and just like, it taught me a lot about like believing in myself and just being like, no, I can do it. But yeah, I mean, I didn't, I didn't think it was going to happen. My coach didn't think it was going to happen. Like Colin didn't think it was going to happen. So it was just, it was very exciting. I watched the video back. You were so smooth. Yeah. Thank you. It, it, it literally felt so good. Like I have never felt so good in a race before where I was just like, this doesn't hurt. Yeah. This is great. Yeah. It was crazy. What does that look like with pacers, though? I actually don't know that I realized that you could opt to stay in the race like that. Does it does it matter which race it is? I have no idea. Um, I think that's the first time I've ever paced. Okay. Probably the last time. I don't think people are going to ask me to do it again. Because um, you, you went and ran the, one yes, of the things? Because I beat them. Yeah. Yeah. I think people were mad. But, like, I, I did not go into it like, oh, I'm going to win. It was like, there's no way. Well, did you start, um, like, at the beginning when they asked you to pace? Were they like, you can finish if you want? I mean, so we just asked Jordan, I think. Um, Jordan Carpenter is the coach at BU. And I know him because he, before being at BU, he was a D3 coach. Mm. Um, so I've been on, like, D3 glory days with him before. Um, and I think we were just like, you know, we are pretty much mostly pacing for the BYU girls. Um, and so they were pretty much like dictating the pace that they wanted us to go. Um, and I think, you know, my coach was just like, I told him I felt good. And I was like, I'd really like to like try to get a PB and the 5k. I think I'm in better shape than 1535. Yeah. And so my coach just said to Jordan, he was like, Hey, you know, is it okay if they finish after? And he was like, yeah, I mean, sure. Like we just need them to pace 3k. Um, and then, you know, we talked to Diljeet before and um, right before the race. And she was like, oh, oh, like, is one of you, I heard one of you guys is maybe going to pace through 4K. And I looked at her and I was like, no, like, I don't, I don't think either of us are good enough <laughs> to like pace them through 4K. Like, I don't want to do a bad job. And she just kind of like looked at me and I was like, I like freaked <laughs> out. I was like, I was like, my, my personal best is 1535. Like, yeah, I was like, we're running we're running my, my, my three K PR like through the three K. Like, I don't yeah. like, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry, but like, we can't do it. So, um, you know, I, I, and I told them before the race too, I told all the girls, I was like, listen, I was like, I'm pacing. I was like, I, if I feel good, I'm going to stay in the race. Like they knew it. I was like, I'm going to stay in the race. I was like, but I'm not pacing anymore. Cause I didn't want people thinking I was like pacing and then like using me or, you know, yeah. thinking I was pacing. And I'm going too slow. I was like, but I'm not pacing after that. Like if I yeah. say I, I'll stay in and just run. So, I mean, they knew. But um, yeah. So did I don't you pace through four k or three k? No, just three k. <laughs> and then I dropped back. Yeah. Oh, you dropped back. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I dropped like to right behind um, the first pack, which was the two BYU girls. So. And then yeah. you add, then, then just... you pass on that last like two hundred. Yeah, yeah. Because I was like, wow, I feel good. Yeah. And I was like, well, I might as well win the race. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> and get a world standard while I'm at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's so exciting, though, because it really makes you think when you are in a race where 
I, I know the pacing probably helped you like not go out mm-hmm. too hard and all those things. But like where when you're in a race where like people are really chasing a time, like you mm-hmm. can run fa- really a lot faster than that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I would hope so. It was in, de- yeah, it was in December and I've had a lot of good training since then. And yeah, you know, I would, I would hope that in like a race where it's like paced well and like people are trying to run a certain time, like I'd be able to hang on and like still do well, still yeah. do better. It's exciting. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, we'll wrap up here with end of podcast questions. If, if y'all listening aren't already following Annie, go follow her <laughs> and make sure you're checking out her progress. I'm going to root for you to say yes to Sir Walter. Just come have fun. <laughs> Just come have fun and run a mile regardless of how fast. Oh gosh. <laughs> I know pros don't think that way, but you know. <laughs> Yeah. Well, when you're paid to do it, it's like it puts another layer of pressure on it. Like, I don't want to show up and I'm like, yeah, not running very fast. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Um, what is something professionally or personally that you would like to do that you haven't done yet? Yeah. Um, professionally, make a world team. Um, that's probably my number one goal. Or just make a team, I guess. Not necessarily worlds. I would obviously love to make an Olympic team. Yeah. I mean, break 15. There's a lot. I have a lot of goals, but mostly make a make a team. Um, and then personally, I want to eventually get my PhD. So I don't know if that will ever happen, but get a master's and PhD would be like a personal goal. What do you want to study? Mm, um, I don't know, but like my ideal job would be like doing research and like the psychology of like women in sports. Oh, okay. So probably some kind of like psychology. Yeah. yeah. Do you feel like you have a good hold on psychology as far as like, do you work with a mental um, sports psychologist? No, I don't. I probably should. Yeah. Um, but I don't, um, very grassroots. <laughs> um, I don't do a lot. Um, but no, I, I, I've been thinking about that. I probably should. Um, but no, I don't. I was just a psychology major. Uh, and like, I definitely think about like how psychology affects, you know, racing and stuff like that. And I definitely think it's very important to be working with probably like a mental um psychologist for like yeah. sports psychologist but I do not <laughs> I can I have a hard time even just like scheduling like massages or like PT yeah. for myself so yeah, <laughs> yeah. important um yeah. who's someone fun motivating or inspiring you'd like to have coffee tea or cocktail with um I like there's a lot um I mean I'm a big like Adele fan and like mm. Beyonce fans so, like them but also like a little bit more intellectual um I really like Kurt Vonnegut and I would love, I just feel like he'd be so entertaining um, and like very interesting to like sit down and have a cup of coffee with. Mm. So probably Kurt Vonnegut. As much as I love Adele and Beyonce, I feel like that'd be weird. You might get more <laughs> like, out of like, Kurt Vonnegut. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what is the best, most recent book you've read? Yeah, I just reread Northanger Abbey by Jane Austen. Um, and it's been a very long time since I read it, like I like years, but I'm a big Jane Austen fan and I grabbed it to like read on the plane. And then I ended up reading it in like two days and I was like reading it up until like the moment where I left to go for the prelim <laughs> of my race. And that's when I finished it. And it was so good. Um, I forgot how good it was. And I kept being like, Oh, this is just so good. I forgot how good it was. And Colin was like, we get it. Like <laughs> you like your book. And I was like, it's just so good. <laughs> yeah. Does he read too? No, not as much. <laughs> My husband doesn't yeah. read either. I'm like, yeah, read a book, man. He just reads like news articles. That's it. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think Colin reads a lot besides like his work stuff. He just he's like, I wish I enjoyed it as much, but he has like ADHD and stuff. So he's yeah. just like, I just yeah, 
too much. He's he's very creative in other ways. Yeah. So he, he, he does that, but not reading. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> what's your last message to leave with the audience? I think just like I said earlier, just like, you know, believe in yourself and like when there ceases to be an opportunity for yourself, just like make it. Um, I think that's like my big lesson for the year pretty much is just like, you know, things aren't always going to fall into your lap and things aren't always just going to happen for you. So you kind of have to believe in yourself that you can do it and put yourself in the position to do it as well, because other people probably aren't going to help you do it. And I can, I mean, that applies to anything. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that's like my one takeaway from this season is just like the belief has to be there, but also like, and the hard work has to be there, but also I need to like be putting myself in positions to do it. I can't just like expect them to happen for me. Totally. Yeah. And I think if we see people that are like, things are working out for them, they've probably stuck their neck out a little bit more than we realize. They're, you just, yeah. you don't see all the behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I don't think, especially in like professional track and field where like it can be really hard to get by sometimes. I think it's true. Like the people who are doing really well look like it's effortless, but like it is by no means effortless. Like um, I, th- I feel like we actually saw that with Emma Coburn's mm. interview that she did with Sidious Mag, mm-hmm. where it was like, like, from afar, it looks so effortless. Like, some I saw someone else say, like, death taxes and Emma Coburn winning titles. And it's so true. And it's frustrating to line up against her because it's just like, she seems so unbeatable. Like, yeah. she just come every year, time after time after time, she will show up and win handedly every single year. But like, you saw a little bit of a glimpse of like, it. she makes it look effortless, but like, it's not. Like, it's a lot of effort and hard work and like other things going on in her life um, that is happening. So, yeah. yeah. That was a really good post-race interview. Yeah, it was. It was emotional <laughs> for sure. It was. It, I was watching it right after and I was like still mad because yeah. I lost. Like, I, I want to beat her. So it was like hard to not be like, Mah! but I was like, damn it. I was like, that was good. Is that so <laughs> like, frustrating oh. with like Emma and Courtney? Cause you're like probably always thinking like Emma and Courtney are on the team. Who's going to be yes. third? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, until Col- I mean, Colleen. Colleen too was always yep. third. So yeah, it, it feels, um, up until the last two years, it feels definitely like you're going up against like an impossible task. Yeah. Um, because it's just like, and it's like, it's, it's not even like, Oh, they're always going to win USA. It's like they are, but like, it's not even that they're going to be really good on the national, like the international stage. Yeah. Too. They're contenders. So for it's medals. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's like, I'm not just going up against like fellow Americans. It's like I'm going up against people who are like the world best medalist. in yeah. the world. Yeah. So it's like, Oh gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's very frustrating. There's, very consistently good and it is frustrating to no end as a competitor of theirs you will continue yeah. to rise to yeah <laughs> to their standards i believe it thank you yeah i hope so we'll see i mean i'm just unbeatable i was really. gonna say though you might be like really throwing down some good 5ks yeah yeah i mean the 5k is also incredible i mean they literally are in like 425 the last mile but yeah i mean the goal the goal, unless I get really great at steeple, the goal is to be good enough that we're like, I can make it in the 5K. Like, why even do the steeple? As much as I love the steeple, like, I do actually want to get good at it. But right now, I'm just so frustrated with it that it's like, my goal is to be so good at the 5K that I have to do that. Yeah. I yeah. mean, and you know, you mentioned Emma Coburn, but like, Emily Enfeld is another like, really emotional, mm-hmm. like, post-race yeah. interview, just like, knowing, think about how many years it's been since she's been yeah. in this position again. And it's, it's so cool to see. So hopefully yeah. stories like that also give you like 
hope that like I can be oh, in the game yeah. too, you know? Oh yeah. 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 They do. And then also this sounds horrible, but all the people, I feel like this year at the U S championships, there's so many people who are like favorites to win. Mm-hmm. And then like, or like some of the best. And then like, wouldn't make the final, like wouldn't make the team. Yeah. And that also is like, that sounds horrible. But I mean, that's a good reminder of like, you know what people who like are the, some of the best in the world still are like showing up and like, it's not clicking for them yeah. that year yeah. and that day. And it's like, okay, like, that's okay. Like it's a, and then I, there opens up a I spot okay. too. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I think about that with, um, was it Donovan Brazier last year with the, with the Olympic trials? And I was like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, he's going to make the team or whatever. And it's right. like, okay. And then yeah. that opened, he didn't have a good race and then it opened up a spot for someone. So it's yeah. like always bet on yourself. Cause you don't know whose race is right. going to go That's like true. what? Yeah. yeah. That too. Yeah. Oh, well, Annie, it's been so fun to get to know you and talk to with you. Yes, thank you for having me. It was a blast. (laughs) All right, everybody. Thanks for being here today. Thank you, Annie, for coming on the show. Excited to see what's in store for you. Again, you can follow Annie on Instagram. She's Andrea Rodenfels over there. You can find me personally. I am LindsayHine626. I'm also on Twitter at LindsayHine, and we have a great Facebook group. I'll have another podcast with LindsayHine. I'm so grateful you are here today. If you want to learn more about this podcast or any of the shows in our network, including our brand new show for runners called the Ready to Run podcast, go to sandyboyproductions.com to learn more. Thanks for being here and have a great Friday, a wonderful rest of your weekend. And as always, we'll see you next Friday.